0: All right, you go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 23, and go ahead and start in verse 9. Today we are continuing our series in the Gospel of Luke. We have arrived at chapter 9, if you're just going verse by verse, but I'm going to do something a little different today. There's a passage in Luke 9 about King Herod, and throughout Luke's Gospel, he never spends a long time talking about Herod. But just here and there, Luke does mention him. So what I'm going to do today is cover all the information about King Herod in the Gospel of Luke in one sermon. Uh, For those of you that keep up with this, and I'm sure many of you do, we have load shedding starting at 12 o'clock. So, I'll be done by then. (laughs) Just so you know. If the power goes off, you can go home. (laughs) Luke chapter 23. And verse number 9, the Bible says, Then he, that's Herod, questioned with him, that's Jesus, in many words. But he, Jesus, answered him, Herod, nothing. Now I want to focus my attention on the last half of verse 9. But he answered him, nothing. I want to preach to you for a few minutes this morning a sermon entitled Ghosted by God Ghosted by God let's pray Father help us this morning we direct our attention now to your word We, we Father we desire to open our hearts to it you know who needs this sermon Lord you, I, I, there is just something I cannot do I want to stand here and speak but Lord I don't know the thoughts of their heart you know it You know what they need to hear. Please, God, please meet with us. Let us walk away today, having known that we spent some time in your presence. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, how many of you are familiar with that term, ghosted? Do we know this word? Ghosted. Okay. Kind of a newer word. I didn't grow up with that word. Right? It's a noun that they turned into a verb. It's how this modern generation does it, which is fine. That's how new words come about. But if you want to know what ghosted means, I I can give you a great example. Yesterday, I sent Armanta a message. (laughs) And to this moment, he has not looked at it. That's a very mild version of being ghosted. (laughs) To be ghosted means someone has cut off All communication with you. Now, more than just what Armant is doing to me currently. But this is you've repeatedly sent messages. You have tried to call. They will not pick up the call. They won't look at your messages. They will not respond. Herod is asking multiple questions. And Jesus will not respond. He answered him nothing. This man got ghosted by the Lord Jesus Christ let me say that as believers there are times when the still small voice of God can be difficult to hear I believe that it's true that many times God is speaking to people and they don't know he's speaking to them let me give you an example Samuel Samuel where does Samuel run He runs to the high priest, Eli. Yes, um, (laughs) you called, you rang, it wasn't me, go lay back down. Samuel, Samuel, yes, um, it wasn't me, go lay back down. And then Eli, that great man of God that he was, he finally figures out after the third time, I think God is speaking to the young man. And he said, listen, Samuel, the next time you hear that voice coming to you, Samuel, Samuel, say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. God was trying to speak to Samuel, but Samuel was a young boy. YBC, great job. Love the song. Thank you so much for the hard work on the pins. Keep at it. And don't think that because you're young, God's not trying to speak to you. He can speak to young people. But you know what it says about Samuel? In the middle of that story, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Samuel didn't recognize it when God was trying to speak to him because he was young and, can we say, immature. I don't mean that in a bad way, but he simply lacked life experience. And I think the same thing is true in the spiritual realm. Perhaps you've been freshly saved. You haven't been saved very long. And maybe the the voice of God is a newer thing to you. So maybe God's speaking to you, but you don't know it. Simply because you're not used to it. It could also be that maybe you've been saved 20 or 30 years, but you have yet to pick up your Bible and read through it, so you still don't know what the voice of God sounds like. It could be that Sunday after Sunday, He is speaking to you, but you run off talking to somebody else about it, not realizing it was God trying to get your attention. You might be spiritually immature. So it is possible that a believer struggles to hear the voice of God at times. But then there are other times when the reason you're not hearing the voice of God is because He's not speaking to you. You're being ghosted by God. And friend, there is nothing worse on this side of the grave than to have God ignore you. Than to have God turn His back and say, I tried to talk to him. They didn't listen. So I am done talking. You know where to find me if you need me. But until then, you're Herod, and I have nothing to say to you. Herod was ghosted by God. So what I want to do is take you through a few things about Herod's life, and I want you to examine your heart and your life and just see, are there some similarities between you and Herod? And perhaps if there are, that might explain why you are not hearing the voice of God in your life. Why maybe you're asking questions and getting no answers. So come back to Luke chapter 3. We'll talk about four four things in Herod's life today. Number one, the decisions of Herod. Why was Herod ghosted by God? Why did God cut off all communication with him? It might have been because of the decisions that he was making. In Luke chapter 3 verse 1, it says, Now in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod, that's... The gentleman of our focus today. Herod being tetrarch of Galilee. And his brother Philip tetrarch of Iturea. And of the region of Trachonitis. Licinius the tetrarch of Abilene. Annas and Caiaphas being high priest. The word of God came unto John. The son of Zacharias in the wilderness. So while these other men were busy with their careers. They paid no attention to the word of God. Did you notice that? The word of God came to John. This quote unquote crazy guy in the wilderness. But these big shots with their fancy careers and big titles, they weren't concerned with the Word of God. Verse number 19, we again read about Herod. It says, but Herod the Tetrarch, Tetrarch by the way is another way of saying governor. It's just the governor over a certain amount of areas. But Herod the Tetrarch being reproved by him. This is John the Baptist preached against Herod, being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. So Herod, we know him in history as Herod Antipas. There were several men named Herod. That was kind of a title. This is Herod Antipas. He had John thrown in prison because John stood up to him and said, What you're doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. He reproved the king, the governor in this case, but the king over that small region, for this faulty marriage. Herod Antipas had divorced his wife and then went to his brother Philip's wife, Herodias, and said, You divorce my brother so that we can get married. Mm -hmm. This, This decision was completely made by the lust of the flesh, not at all according to the will of God or the Word of God. His decision making was based on what he felt like doing. didn't matter that his life was completely contrary to the Word of God. John pointed it out. John had the spiritual fortitude to say, King, it is not lawful for thee to have her. Herod was partly Jewish. We're going to talk about that later. He should have, according to his own claims, he should have been observing Jewish laws. And this marriage, it went on multiple levels. It went against the law. So it is not lawful for thee to have her. John preached it straight. Herod knew John was right. And and it wasn't just that. The Bible says in verse 19 at the end of it, For all the evils which Herod had done, John laid them out and just told the truth. Herod had John thrown in prison. But let me show you why. Come to Mark chapter 6. You say, well, Herod was upset because John was preaching at him. Well, yes, but not quite that simple. Let me show you how Herod made decisions. Mark 6, let's start at verse 18. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him. And would have killed him, but she could not. His wife hated the preacher. I'm just looking around, seeing if I get any reactions out of that. I'm just waiting. (laughs) His wife hated that man. How dare he say such a thing, and he's saying it right. He's talking about me. Yeah, he is. Telling you just what you needed to hear. And she would have killed him. Thank God she wasn't in Complete control of the kingdom. Or was she? Verse 20, For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy, and observed him. He paid close attention. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. When Herod happened to attend one of John the Baptist's sermons, Herod enjoyed it and said, That's right. Yeah, what he's saying is true. And Herod, as he would walk away from the service, he would make several pious and religious motions, you know, and make some, he would talk about decisions. Okay, I'm going to fix this up and I'm going to clean that up and I'm going to do this different. And that decision that he made during the service stayed at the service. He didn't take it home with him. He wasn't serious about his decisions. Deep down, he knew John was right. Deep down, he had respect. He feared John. But there was something more important to Herod than John preaching the truth from the Bible. Verse 21, And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains and chief estates of Galilee, and when the daughter of, of the said Herodias came in and danced. Now, we don't have her name in the Bible, but history tells us her name was Salome. Salome. When the daughter of said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. He's watching his stepdaughter dance. And he gets all excited. This man is about to make some horrible decisions and big promises based on impulse. How he felt... In the moment. I'm preaching about decision making. How you make decisions. This man did it by impulse. Well, that was fun. That was entertaining. Yo, know, the smoke and the lights and the movement. and you, you can have anything you want up to half the kingdom. Verse 23. And he swear unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. Because if she gets 51%, she runs the kingdom says, I'm not, I'm not going to give you the whole thing, right? Not, not that much power, but up to half. Verse 23, uh, 4, sorry. And she went forth and said unto her mother, what shall I ask? She said, the head of John the Baptist. Oh, you know, you know how it goes. You've heard it before. The man is the head of the house. But then somebody will say, yeah, but the woman is the neck that turns the head. Which is not the way it's supposed to be. But that's how it was in that house. Verse twenty five And she came in straightway with haste unto the king, save us by a hostach, and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. Now when they say by and by, that's not a like, by and by that's not she's not singing a hymn. By and by is but Yella here in Africa, Yella say ho chau. No, no. Now now. Right, Just hurry, right now. Let's do it. As soon as possible. Ho, ho. I, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger. A charger is a big platter. I want his head on a platter. You wonder where we get these phrases in history? That's where, they come from the Bible. I want his head on a platter. Verse 26, And the king was exceeding what? Sorry. Sorry. Yet, for his oath's sake, and for their sakes which sat with him, He would not reject her. He decided to go through with cutting off the preacher's head and serving it on a platter. You know why he made that decision? He got excited, and then he got scared. He was excited by the dancing and caught up in the moment and said, yes, let's do that. Okay, give me the preacher's head. No. (laughs) What? Yes, yes, I want the preacher's head. And he was just about to say, I can't do that. That's too much. He was sorry. He, he immediately regretted it. Have you ever made a decision and immediately went, oh, that, why did I do that? Why did I, why did I sign that? Why did I say, I do to that? <laughs> but, but, but you can't undo it. Why? He's scared because he knows all of these big shots are seated at the table and if he goes back on his word he's going to look weak so he needs to keep up appearances because right if he says oh no no I'm not going to cut his head off then it looks like he's on the side of John the Baptist and then all these other uh, chief estates and lords and high captains they're going to look at Herod as if he's in cahoots with John oh he can't be associated with that crazy guy John God forbid people know you go to that church He makes decisions based on excitement and fear. The fear of man, the Bible says, brings a snare. You'll fall into a trap of making horribly stupid decisions if you do it out of impulse and fear. People choose a church. Why? It's entertaining. Man, that was fun. I saw the smoke. I saw the lights. The same thing I saw and heard on Saturday night, I saw it again on Sunday morning. They just changed the lyrics. Ooh, I like that. They join. And then you have some folks that won't leave a church they've been in for 30 years. Why? Not. They know that what they're getting in that church is not biblical. They know they're not getting fed, they're not growing, but they're afraid to leave it because Uam and Tani have been in that church for 50 years, and what will they say if I go to a different church? People get romantically involved real quick for wrong reasons. Oh, they make big fancy promises, honey, I would do anything for you, go anywhere for you, I'll sell the house, I'll change the job, anything, I'll promise you even, not just half, you can have the whole kingdom. I mean, we got guys that go that far. You know why? Impulse. Sounds good, looks good. Man, she can get her groove on. They get excited and rush down to the altar and before the pastor can even get out the vows, I do, I do, I do. (laughs) And then we have other people that are in a bad relationship. And I'm not talking about a marriage, okay? But I'm talking about been let's say going with that person, can I use that term? Dating that person for a while, but they will not break it off because they're afraid of hurting that person's feelings impulse fear you make some bad decisions somebody calls you up and gives you a job offer and it's a good job offer and it's a good amount of money what do we do our heart leaps with excitement oh praise the lord this has got to be god why because they offered me a lot of money Is, is that how we know it's God? Is that how we make decisions? Because it's, because it's a lot of money. People, they hear the job offer. They need the job. We need a job. Amen. Amen. You're, not, you're allowed to say amen there. You need a job. Get a job. Work. Eat. That's good. But the first job offer that comes along, well, they offered enough money. Yes, I'll take it. Impulse. That's not how we make decisions. I'm not saying you have to reject it. I'm just saying you better stop and at least pray about it. Is, is there a good church near that company where you're going to have to move into that town? And Have you thought it through? Or are you going to make a decision because, ooh, that's exciting. Maybe you're scared to say no because, well, this is the only job offer I've had in a while. The God that brought you the first job offer can surely bring you another one. Don't make decisions based off impulse and fear. That's Herod. That's not what godly people do. I was 12 years old, unsaved. I grew up unsaved. I got saved when I was 20. When I was in, 12, uh, in sixth grade, I was 12 years old. I had no friends. I, I, paid, a, I paid a kid in my class to be my friend. I, it's pathetic, I know, but it's, it's, it's my history. You're hearing my testimony. I paid him a dollar a day for eight days. Man, I, I hate saying that even. Wow, that's so bad. <laughs> I was so excited to finally have a friend. I would do anything to keep that friend. Finally, one of the cool kids was paying attention to me. I would do anything to stay in on his good side and to be accepted by the crowd that he was associated with. I had never said a bad word in my life I heard my dad one time. My dad was an unsaved man my entire life growing up. You know my dad just recently got saved at age 75. My dad was a religious man but unsaved. I heard him cuss one time my whole life growing up. And right after he cussed, he came in the room and said, son, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Unsaved man. Now that's character. I didn't cuss, but I heard all these other 12 and 13 year olds cussing. And I thought, man, if I want to be in with that crowd, I better speak the language. So that kid that I paid the money to, his name was Jeremy Rothman, I said, Jeremy, teach me these words. So he taught me every bad word that was being used. So to try to get everybody's attention and to show them that I'm in their group now, in my ridiculous, foolish excitement, I wrote this long letter about everybody in class and put a cuss word about that person this person is of this and that person is of that and I went through the whole class and I brought it to school the next day and I showed it to them to that friend that I had paid my best friend and I said look 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 what I did he went wow oh wow oh I can't believe you said that he took off running with the letter and showed it to everybody Oh, I, could feel, I can feel it even now. Some of you are angry at me. I mean, they were angry at me. And then one of them took the paper and handed it to the teacher. The teacher read it and took it to the principal, the headmaster. He read it. Guess who read it next? The principal had my dad on the phone and said, Mr. Flick, your son would like to read you something. So I took the letter, ah, I read it line upon line, here a little, there a little, <laughs> I read the whole thing. The principal, his name was David Walker, he took the phone back from me, said, Mr. Flick, do I have permission to paddle your son to give him a hiding, a leka Bucks law. I could hear my dad on the other end going, absolutely. <laughs> and I knew what that meant, I'm getting it twice. <laughs> I'm getting it at the principal's office, and I'm getting it when I, when I get home. I, I, and, and I deserved it. Some of you are familiar with these things, right? The principal had what looked like a cricket bat, but with holes drilled in it. It wasn't quite as long or as heavy as a cricket bat, right? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't cruel and unusual punishment. It was fitting for the crime. He hit me where the good Lord split me. Amen. He took that pad out, whack, whack, and it, because it had that holes in it, when I got home, my rear end looked like Swiss cheese. <laughs> he wore me out. After he gave me the appropriate hiding, he turned me around and with tears streaming down my face, because that hurt, <laughs> he shook my hand. He said, are we square? I said, I'll never do that again. And I very sheepishly walked to class, head hung down. You know, it had dawned on me just months after that. That friend that taught me all those words, he didn't take the hiding with me. That bad decision, I paid for it. You know why I made that decision? Because I was afraid of what the other people around me would think I would do anything to keep those friends because it was exciting to be popular and I ended up the one being punished. I'm going to say God did not say anything to Herod. He didn't say anything about these decisions he was making. You know why? You know why God ghosted Herod in these situations? Herod never asked God, what do you think I should do? And if you're not going to ask for God's advice on what you're doing and the decisions you need to make in life, don't expect to hear from Him. God's going to ghost you because you're not interested in His opinion. You don't fear God, you rather fear man. And God will ghost you for it. The next thing I want to talk about in Herod's life, yes, his decisions were a problem, but another reason God ghosted him was because he got distracted. And let me show you what I mean by this. In verse 16, Mark 6, verse 16. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. The whole town was talking about Jesus. Who do you think he is? Is he the Messiah? Is he the Son of God? Verse 15, some say he's Elijah. Some say he's Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Herod's conclusion was, "Hmm, no, no. I know who this miracle-working prophet is. That is John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Come to Luke chapter 9. Now, he didn't always think that. When he first started hearing the rumors, this is what he thought. Now, this is the passage, like chronologically, where we would be at in Luke in our series. Verse 7, Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him and was perplexed. So he heard about what Jesus was doing and was perplexed because that it was said of some that John was risen from the dead. So that was one of the rumors that was going about. And these rumors are getting back to Herod. Verse 8, And of some that Elias had appeared, and of others that one of the old prophets was risen again. Verse 9, And Herod said, John have I beheaded. But who is this of whom I hear such things? And he desired to see him. So when Herod first heard about it, you know what he thought? Okay, some people are saying he's John. Ah, oh, but wait a minute. I killed John. That can't be John. And then he tells the men in his court, when you find this guy, bring him to me. I want to talk with him. I need to put that rumor to rest. It can't be John. But then we read in Mark that Herod did think it was John. So what happened? He got distracted. And instead of just listening to common sense, it can't be John, I killed John. He is distracted by a guilty conscience. And due to that guilty conscience, Herod killed John. He had no good reason to do it, but he never properly repented of it. He never made that right. He never apologized to man or to God for what he did. And friend, when you do not properly take care of sin in your life, And you move about life with a guilty conscience. It will cloud your judgment and distract you from what is truly important. Instead of... Listen, he should be excited. Jesus is doing wonderful things, preaching wonderful things. You know what you should do? Go listen to what Jesus has to say. Wouldn't that be the right reaction? Everybody's talking about Jesus? Okay, I want to go hear him myself and I want to get closer to him and, and learn about. It. That's the right approach, but not if you have a guilty conscience. You know what you think if you have a guilty conscience? You're not worried about Jesus and what he's preaching or teaching. You're worried about the Tokolos. <laughs> yes, I know about the Tokolos. <laughs> Instead of looking at Jesus and 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 He's the Son of God, here's the Savior, come to teach me how to walk with God. I'm worried about John coming back from the dead to haunt me. Oh no, my ancestors are haunting me. Instead of paying attention to the Jesus trying to speak to you. I say Herod was distracted. He could not get it off of his mind what he had done to John. So now it's clouding his thinking and he thinks, surely this is John, come back to get me if you know deep down that you have not properly dealt with sin, it doesn't matter what goes right or what goes wrong. Months and years from now, if it goes right or if it goes wrong, deep down in your heart, you know in the back of your mind, I deserve to be punished. And you will not enjoy the blessings of life. You won't enjoy it when God starts to draw nigh to you, because in the back of your mind, you'll be thinking, but I killed John but I deserve punishment for that. The words of God will ring through your mind and heart. Be sure your sin will find you out. The Bible says in First Timothy, some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment. But some men, they follow after. And some of you, every time there's a little whisper in the room, every time there's a little knock in the night, you turn around and go, oh maybe that thing that I did that I hid and I've covered it up and no one else knows about and I think it's a secret, but I know God knows it and I know it's going to catch up with me one day. You cannot pay attention to what God's doing right in, from, in front of you because you're worried about what you did back there. Proper repentance is this, listen carefully, you turn from this what you're doing on this side and you turn to the God of mercy and love do, do, do you see there's a turning from something to something what happens if you just turn from it stop doing it but you don't have any any goal you don't have any God to turn to here's what you do you turn from it and you go okay now what am I doing 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 and, and, and this kind of describes a lot of your lives <laughs> you just go in in circles with no point at all Whew. I shouldn't do that. (laughs) You get distracted. Okay, maybe you stop doing some bad things. Maybe you're not killing any more prophets. But you never turned to God and said, God, I'm sorry that I did that. You haven't properly repented. You know why God ghosted Herod? Because Herod never came to God with a broken heart and a contrite spirit and said, God, what I did there was horribly wrong, and I'm sorry. And until you're willing to properly face your sins and deal with them, God's willing to just stand back and say nothing. So you know where to find me. As soon as you want to get right, I'll receive you back. But until you're ready to climb out of your pig pen, I'm going to be there at the Father's house. It's not until you say, I was wrong, I have sinned against heaven and against thee, my fault. Then the Father will run down the street to meet you. But until then, ghosted by God. Come to Luke chapter 13. Verse 31. The next time we read about Herod... He is indirectly involved. Luke 13, verse 31. So we've talked about the decisions of Herod. We've talked about the distraction of Herod. Now we're going to talk about the description. Jesus is going to describe Herod for us. Luke 13:31. The same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, unto Jesus, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. There is no indication that Herod actually had this plan. It, it could be. Now, may, maybe he did. Maybe he did. But from what we know, Herod wanted to question Jesus, not kill him. In, in chapter 23, that's what Herod does. When he sees Jesus, he questions him. He doesn't kill him. It could be that the Pharisees were telling Jesus, Herod's trying to kill you, to scare Jesus out of Galilee, the north, down into the south, where he thought he would be safe, because there, the Pharisees have the Sanhedrin, the the Jewish high court. And they thought, maybe that's how we can trap him. But you're not going to scare Jesus into bad decisions. So Jesus says in verse 32, He said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox. (laughs) Uh, uh, I like Jesus. He just tells it like it is, eh? Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. You go tell that fox he can have any plan he wants. It's not going to interrupt my business at all. I got plans for today, for tomorrow, and the third day, and Herod's not in those plans. (laughs) I'm heading on to complete the plan, perfection. Now, what I want to spend a moment on, whether or not Herod was going to kill him or not, that doesn't matter. We're talking about the description Jesus says, go tell that fox. Either way, it's a valid statement. Some people are worried about this. They say, this is Jesus uh, speaking evil of a ruler. And you know, in in the law, you're not allowed to do that. You cannot speak evil of a ruler. That is still true today. We should not slander or speak evil about the politicians that run this country but I have no problem at all telling you that they're corrupt and evil people. Why? Because I'm I'm not saying anything untrue. Now, to sit around making fun of them just for laughs, that's a different thing. But to warn you about their character, that's a necessary part of, of preaching and telling the truth. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's properly describing the kind of person Herod was. He calls him a fox. This was very common in this day in, in biblical times. If you called somebody a fox, it's not like we use the term now, like, ooh, she's a fox, you know. Not, not like, not, not, very different thing. When we say a fox, in biblical times, it meant somebody was sly and a useless, vain person. They were they were selfish and all they wanted to do was get in, get what they want, and get out. They would leave a mess behind. That's a fox. Let me tell you a little bit about foxes. They are omnivorous. That means they eat anything. They are expert hunters. They're actually friendly and playful. But they can quickly turn on you. Foxes can make up to 40 different sounds. And a group of foxes, right? Now you have a a herd of cattle, right? You have a school of fish. You know what you call a group of foxes? a skulk, S-K-U-L-K, a skulk. Do you know what it means to skulk, the verb? If somebody is skulking, they are sneaking around hiding for sinister intentions. A group of foxes is called a skulk. So when Jesus says, you tell that fox, Jesus knows perfectly well what he's talking about. He says, This guy is sly, and useless he'll eat anything he'll take anything from you he doesn't care he'll be friendly and playful and then in a moment stab you in the back he'll say anything make any noise he can make 40 different noises anything you want to hear he's just hiding back waiting for that moment to get what he wants that's his description when you read about Herod in history he was partly Jewish by birth, right? So, like, dad was a Jew, mom was a gent, that kind of thing, but, but several generations back. So he had a little bit of Jew in him, but also by culture. Herod, even to this day, historians are trying to decide, was he a Jewish convert or wasn't he? They, they honestly, here's their, their outcome, they say, it's complicated, You know, we say the same thing about a lot of folks who claim to be Christians. Are they Christian? Are they not Christian? Well, they said this, they did that, but they also said this, and they did that. They went here, but they went there. What's the answer? Are they Christians? It's complicated. Herod would not print any images on the money because Jews did did not approve of anybody's face being on the money. They did not approve of graven images. So Herod wouldn't do it just to make the Jews happy. On occasion, Herod would celebrate the Passover. Herod actually built a city, built it up, called Tiberias. And later that city became the center for rabbinic learning for all Jews. His region that he ruled over was generally known as the most religious region in the country. But not one thing he did or said had anything to do with the love of God. Nothing. You know why he did it? Make friends. Sly, skulking, just 40 different sounds. Because he would say what the Jews wanted and then he would swing over and say what the Gentiles wanted. And he would just work both angles, trying to stay on everybody's good side Oh, there are a lot of people that will go through the motions and say the right thing 40 different ways, but their heart is far from the Lord. Jesus gave him a nickname, called him a fox. He described him. I wonder, I wonder what Jesus would give you as a nickname. You know, the Bible does this. The Bible gives people descriptions. Daniel. He is known as a man greatly beloved. That's his heavenly nickname. When the angel Gabriel came down, he said, Oh, thou man greatly beloved. What a great nickname. Man greatly beloved by heaven. David. He's a man after God's own heart. That's a nickname you want. It's a yeah. Moses. Meekest man in all the earth. High praise. Job. Have you heard of his patience? (laughs) That's what the Bible says. Have you heard of the patience of Job? That's something to be remembered for. Abraham. What's his nickname? The friend of God. The friend of God. What would Jesus call you? What would he call you? You know why Herod got ghosted by God? I, I learned this Afrikaans word a while back. Let me attempt it now. was <laughs> oppervlakkig. Did I get it right? He was superficial, fake, vain, selfish, slick, and sly. Always just saying the right thing. He looked the part on the surface, but there was nothing in there. The cup and the platter were pretty, but inside full of extortion and excess. Decorate the grave, but inside dead men's bones. Pastor, why don't I ever hear from God? Maybe it's because there's really nothing to you. You just sound good on the outside. Herod got ghosted by God because of his character. And then finally, Luke chapter 23, in verse number 8, we've talked about his decisions, we've talked about his distraction, we talked about his description. And now we're going to talk about his desires. Luke 23, verse 8. It says, And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad. Now, if that's the only verse we had in the Bible about Herod, we would think he's a pretty good guy. But you've got to get some context. In this chapter, Jesus has been arrested, he has been sent for questioning. The Jews had a mock trial in the middle, well, let's say early morning, about 3 in the morning. And then they sent him to Pilate first thing in the morning, a little bit before 6 a.m. Pilate hears the accusations, and he also hears that Jesus comes from Galilee up in the north. And he went, oh, you're a Galilean. That's outside my jurisdiction. Let me send you to Herod. So then he comes to Herod. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season." Do you see the desire? Doesn't that sound good? I wish some of you could say that. I wish I would say that, that we desire for a long time to see Jesus. That sounds good. He was desirous to see him of a long season because he had heard many things of him and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. You know why Herod wanted to see Jesus? He didn't want to learn anything. He didn't want to develop a relationship with Jesus. He simply wanted to be entertained. That was it. He wanted Jesus to come in like a magician and do, pull a few rabbits out of the hat. Pull a few scarves out of the sleeve. Verse 9, then he questioned with him in many words. So, Herod brings Jesus in, all right, Come on, I've been hearing about these miracles. Do something. Go ahead, go ahead, do it. I'm waiting like a little kid. Go ahead, go ahead. And Jesus just stands there. By this point, Jesus has been beaten. His face will be swollen, his beard partly missing. And he just stands there quiet. Lips swollen, eyes probably swollen shut, not saying a word. And then Herod says, okay, fine, you don't want to give me a magic show. Verse 9, well, what about this question? What about that question? And the Bible doesn't tell us what his questions were. All we know is this, Jesus didn't take time to answer one of them. Because Herod did not want to be edified. He only wanted to be entertained. Herod had no intention of changing anything about his life. He just wanted to hear Jesus, see a few fun things, so that he can run and tell other people the fun story. No intentions of doing anything sincere and genuine with the king of the universe standing right in front of him. And the same thing happens in churches Sunday after Sunday all over the world. People come, they want to hear something that makes them feel a little bit good. They, they, they want the entertainment, but they have no intentions of getting answers from Jesus that they can apply to their lives and change them. The desires are wrong. Oh, I want to see Jesus. I want to sing about Jesus. I want to be entertained by Jesus, but do you want to be changed by Jesus? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 26, answer not a fool According to his folly. So why didn't Jesus answer his questions? Answer not a fool. The Bible says go from the presence of a foolish man. When thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. Herod was not interested in learning. So Jesus was not interested in speaking. Why is God ghosting me? Maybe because he knows you have no intentions of doing anything with the answers you so desperately need. They asked Jesus, how can we be sure that you're the one? He said this, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether I speak of myself or whether I come from God. He says, you want to know if I'm just making it all up or you want to know if God actually sent me? You first have to be willing to do his will. It starts with your desire. You approach God with that attitude of God if you say it and it's completely different than what I've always believed and always done. I will change and bring myself in line with you. God has a lot to say to you. But if you come hoping to hear Jesus say something that just makes you feel better about the way you already are, you'll be ghosted by God. Verse 10, the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Well, these chief priests and scribes are the same ones that orchestrated the arrest of Jesus and the mock trial of Jesus. They had been accusing him, number one, of being full of Beelzebub, number two, being a false prophet, number three, they accused him of pride because he thought he was superior to Abraham and Moses, and amen, he is. They accused him of being born of fornication. They went too far. They brought his mama into it. They're talking about his mama. That's going quite far. And then even in verse number 1, you can see some of the accusations. Uh, verse 2, forgive me, verse 2. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation. Really? Really? Jesus is perverting the nation? Really? We found him perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar. Oh, now stop lying. They asked Jesus whether or not they could give And he said, Render to Caesar that which is... They're just making stuff up. Saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Well, when they asked him at his trial, are you the king of Israel? His, his reply was, you said it. <laughs> he didn't deny that. He didn't deny it. So Herod is listening to these accusations. He's watching the chief priests and scribes vehemently. They're getting heated. They're getting, you know, sweat dripping down, foaming at their mouth. mouth. Ah, they're angry. You know what Herod does? He plays along. If everybody else is doing it, ooh, I want to be like them. Verse 11, And Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught. It just made him into nothing. And mocked him, and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him again to Pilate. Why? They're accusing him of being, of making the claim of being the king of Israel. Herod hears that and says, Oh, oh okay. So he won't talk to me. But, but they, they're saying... That he claims to be a king. Oh, so you're a king then. Oh, well, okay, let's get this man a robe. Come on, let's, oh, let's treat the hell king. Oh, And he starts to mock him. This is before the soldiers whipped him and mocked him. Herod started that. Verse 12. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together. For before they were at enmity between themselves. Herod went along... Him and his goons, they went along with what everybody else was saying about Jesus. If they're making fun of Jesus, we'll make fun of Jesus. He did it for the friends. He, he desired to be accepted by the people around him. Pilate's my friend now. These chief priests, they're my friend now. He had absolutely no desire for the truth. No real desire to hear from Jesus, to actually hear the truth. He's just going to go along with what everybody else wants. Because deep down, what his real desire is, is for other people to like him. Folks, if you've been around this church for a while, you've heard plenty of sermons on what Christians should do every day of their life. How you should act in your home and in your workplace. You've heard that. You've seen it. You can read it for yourself in the the Scripture. You don't need me to stand and explain a lot of it. A lot of it is very self-explanatory. Just read it and apply it. And the reason it doesn't get applied more often than not is because we're afraid of what people will say when they see that we're different. Because when you live a biblical life, you are going to be different than the vast majority of the people around you. Herod's desire was to fit in. He wanted to be liked by the crowd and not by Jesus. So why was he ghosted by God? God had nothing to say to him because God does not deal with insincere thrill-seekers. I said God did not say anything to him because God does not deal with insincere thrill-seekers. If you're in it just for the rush of the moment, don't expect God to reach out and try to say anything to you. But if you genuine come today and say, God, if you say it, I'll do it. God will bend your ears for hours and hours. He'll have plenty to say. The Bible, history books tell us a few years after this, Herod died in exile. Political stuff, he got exiled to what we now call Germany, to Gaul, or France, I guess, in that area. And he died. He died to nobody never having heard from God. He had the king of the universe, the creator of everything, standing right there in front of him. And he got ghosted. Perhaps, if you haven't been hearing from God, you need to ask yourself today, God, search me. I really do want to know, God, is there a reason I haven't heard from you lately? And is that reason because I'm a little bit like Herod? Because God, I don't want to be anything like that man. I want to be like your son. I also desire to see him, but I want to see him so I can become more like him. Let's all stand, if you would, please. Heads bowed, eyes closed. The pianist will come. I want to give you a moment, think about what you've heard, give you a chance to respond and react. Oh, could it be today that Jesus has come nigh? He said some things. He's done some things. Maybe this week, maybe this week He's done so many things. You've been hearing about it, but you're distracted. Maybe you want to ask Jesus questions like, why don't you give me everything I want? And why won't you fix my... Uh, job, And why won't you make this better or that better? Those are the wrong questions. How about you come to him and say, Lord, how can I know you better? Lord, tell me the truth. Are you the king of Israel? Are you the creator of all? Because if you are, I'll lay down my life at your feet to do your will. Friend, if you are sincere, if you're genuine, it doesn't matter how broken you are, it doesn't matter how many, how many bad things there are in your past, if you come genuine to God saying, God, I want to make it right. I apologize. I'm sorry. I want to get on the same page as you. God will take you back. He'll save you. He'll change you. But if you're going to go through life like Herod. Don't expect to hear anything. If you're here today and you've never been saved. Perhaps today you've, you've heard the Holy Spirit kind of knocking at your heart. Dealing with you. Saying, hey, I, I want you to stop those things you're doing. But I want you to turn to me. I want you to take me, the Lord Jesus Christ, seriously. Seriously if that's your situation friend what's stopping you? why won't you come to Christ today? so I've heard this and I've heard that you know and this church does this and this church does that don't be distracted by all the rumors go to Christ yourself and ask Him other people did me wrong they hurt me they cheated me yes that's that's what other people did, not Jesus. Don't get distracted by that. Search your heart. God, am I anything like Herod? And if I am, God, please change me. Father, We desire to hear from You. Lord, we want to hear that still, small voice. Lord, You've given us a book filled with Your words. We can hear Your voice anytime we want. God, We want help us. We want to love this book. We want to read it and study it and search it. And, and we want to do that so we can know You. Please, God, we want to know You. Don't stop talking to us, God. Especially when we get off the path, God, please talk to us then more than any other time. Lord, I can't think of a greater moment in my day than when you show up and have something to say to me. That's just as good as it gets. Father, if there's anything in me that's in the slightest like like Herod, please change it. Point it out to me, Lord, I, I don't want to be like that man. I want to be like your son. Father, perhaps somebody today is here and, and never been saved. Please God. Break through that barrier, whatever's holding them back. Lord, please, please call out to them and might they hear you calling fathers we dismiss please don't let the fowls of the air steal the seed Lord might you bring forth fruit in due time help us to apply what we've heard we love you Lord and we thank you for being so patient with us in Jesus name amen Amen. Folks, thank you so much for being here. Lord willing, we'll see you tonight. 6